Hey, welcome to the Sayerville Podcast, everyone. Uh, it's uh, good to be joined by a couple of my sons. John Nemmers, our youngest, on staff here at Sailorville. Daniel, second youngest, mm-hmm. not on staff at Sailorville. <laughs> uh, you'll Didn't have to explain that in a moment. <laughs> and our administrative pastor just back from a sabbatical. Hey, good work, Abraham. So, welcome back, Abe. Glad to have you here. And we have special reasons for you to be here, too. Not to referee or anything like that. <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, so, uh, Daniel, it was good having you in church. It, it's been how many years since you've been at Sailorville since we kicked you to the curb? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Probably five. Is that right? It had been five years since you've been in the SALT Network. I didn't think it had been that We've long. We've been married for six years, Kayla and I. And it was probably five months after we got married that went to Redeemer. And okay. The Network. Okay. So you so probably about four years in the Salt Network. So you were you went from your uh, your Bible college days to uh, doing an internship with one of our engaged churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't a failed in- internship, but it was mm-hmm. one that wasn't uh, going anywhere in your mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, and really that was really very instrumental in us. We realized we needed to be much more intentional. Uh, but in the sovereignty of God, he moved you on. Where did you go from there? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily <clears throat> a failed internship. It was, man, I'm a young guy. I know I'm called to ministry. How can I actually use my energy full-time in ministry? And the Salt Network up at Cornerstone and Ames was first job I found. <laughs> I was just like, I didn't really understand their philosophy fully at all. I just knew that they loved the gospel. They loved Jesus. They had a job for me. I just hopped right in. So you were the salt company director where? In Ankeny at Keystone Church, reaching DMAC students. And you go there? Bears. Bears. Go, go Bears. Go Bears. For a couple of years. <laughs> no sports, but For go two Bears. years? DMAC dogs. DMAC dogs. <laughs> How dare you? Um, two and a half years. Yeah. But you're not that anymore. Mm-hmm. So what are church, you doing now? Yeah. Church plant candidate now. Okay. To go to Bloomington Normal. To reach Illinois State University. Yeah, very cool. That's right. So with that in mind, we invited you to back back as a son of Sailorville, as mm-hmm. we, we sometimes say, and you preached on Sunday. You did a great job. Our people appreciated mm-hmm. your message, uh, mm-hmm. well-received. And uh, so we're glad you could join us for this yeah. podcast. We're really, our intention is really not to so much go through your message or anything, though it was a good message uh, going with kind of a one-off message from our series that we're doing mm-hmm. throughout the summer. Uh, which is, you know, your questions, God's answers. We'll get back to that this week. We're actually dealing with the subject of legalism that I'll be preaching on this week, mm-hmm. and you hit on it uh, mm-hmm. really fairly hard without getting too detailed. It really kind of, you did. You said, I think I'm going to tee you up, and you really did, mm-hmm. so I do appreciate that. So um, uh, we want to, uh, on the other side, real quickly, John, what's your, what is your position here at Sailorville? What are you doing here? Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. What, are you, yeah, Who what, knows? Are, you, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm the evangelism director, so I uh, do all things outreach, evangelism, and and then preach every once in a while. And I'm preaching the week after you on the the subject of hell. So that's uh, that'll be a heavy one. They give me the real soft ones, like why does God allow evil and uh, you know. <laughs> Explain hell to us. So. Well, we figured if one of us <laughs> if one of us failed, it might as well be the low yeah, man. Right. Oh, wow. Talk and kick him off. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Uh, Abe, how many years have you served on staff here at Sailorville? Twenty. 
20 years, and you have a direct relationship with these two guys, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yep. They were just little munchkins, little guys when you guys first came here, <laughs> yeah. when back when you when you came to Sailorville. So known them since they were really little mm -hmm. yeah. and then had them in, had them in youth group, yeah. middle school and high school. And I remember long-haired Abe. Oh. Yep. The best version. Just Once I met you locks. guys, I lost I lost all my hair. <laughs> and and wow. because, started and because with of those guys. Uh, no, it started, I, it started with dad here first. Oh, yeah. Easily. Well, it's surprising I didn't lose all my hair as a result of you guys. <laughs> At any rate, the purpose of this podcast is to really talk about some about the dynamics of discipleship within relationships like fathers and sons and uh in your case as an administrative pastor and at one time uh, a uh, youth guy and uh, kind of give a practical this is the purpose of this podcast to get it today is to give you a practical version of what second timothy 2 2 says where paul says uh these are this is a famous verse but it's worth reading he says uh to timothy he says uh so then, in verse 1, my child, be strengthened by the grace uh, that is uh, in Christ Jesus, and what you have learned from me in the presence mm -hmm. of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, uh, you know, a careful look at that. There's four, mm -hmm. there's four generations. So God is clearly looking beyond the now. He wants us to be thinking about the future. Every parent wants their kids to turn out. And mm -hmm. another reason why I wanted you here, Abe, is because, uh, you know, when you were working with these two guys, you, your kids were just coming into the world. Well, they've been mm -hmm. in the world for some time, mm -hmm. and now they're up there in their teenage years. They're graduating from high school. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to get to that part in our podcast yeah. as well. So, so uh, Daniel and John, your, your conversion stories around Sailorville and the Greater Engage Network is fairly well known. It, that is in our circles. Mm -hmm. Uh, just real briefly, how many years have you been walking with God, John? Uh, it'll be nine years. So you actually misquoted uh, a couple sermons ago. You said I've been saved for 10 years. I've wow. been saved for nine years. So I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, but was, uh, but now we did. did. Now we did. <laughs> okay. So I missed that line. So, yeah, so much for my chronology. <laughs> yeah. well, so I got just, saved I... nine years ago. And yeah, go ahead. What no, I'm just saying I just... My one lie to make up for your thousands. So. <laughs> Here we go. Praise God Here for the grace go. of God for giving yeah. all of grace those sins. And I've never lied after I got yeah, saved. Yeah, <laughs> so basically, you got saved nine years ago. And nine you've years been walking ago. with the Lord. Uh, been really since. so. So I got saved nine years ago, uh, and uh, actually just got done preaching at a camp, and so I really had a blast just kind of walking through my story. Um, and one of my messages uh, was was all about you know you you're not you're not able to actually change the world if you look like the world, and so when I first got saved, that is what I was trying to do. So I was dating a Muslim at the time, and I was totally I was saved. God truly did save me, and He was changing me. Uh, but at the same time, I was still I was still a baby Christian and still living a very worldly life, and I wasn't able to make much of a difference in in many ways, and so. It was really about, I got saved when I was 18, and it really wasn't until I was 19 that God really started to shape me and go and kick my butt into shape, essentially. As to so so you did, so we'd all agree, would we, when we say, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. New creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. We're not saying that it all becomes new overnight. Mm -hmm. In some cases, it 
it's overnight. But probably mm -hmm. in more cases, it's more, it takes time. Mm -hmm. You have to have a, a, a couple more come to Jesus <clears throat> moments, not for salvation, but in the whole sanctification process. Mm -hmm. So Daniel, if he's been right with the Lord for about nine years, it's got to be closer to 10 for you. Yeah, a little bit closer to 10. Yeah. It was coming right out of high school, kind of like I said. I was working at a, uh, a little, essentially a machine shop, and I just had to scrape off grease from the machines. It was the worst job in the world. <laughs> but I ran out of money for drugs, and that was the first time I was able to actually have a sober mind and think about a recent breakup that I just had. And then the girl told me three reasons she broke up with me. She said, you're a drug addict, you're going nowhere in life, and your friends are idiots. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And I was like, okay, uh, three for three on that one. And I just remember <clears throat> sitting back thinking, okay, like once I had a sober mind, I was like, okay, she's totally right. Like I am a drug addict. I have absolutely no hope in life, and I have no direction. And honestly, I had no happiness. Like people had always seen me as somebody who was – really joyful. I always had a smile on my face, but inwardly I was just being wrecked by the Holy mm. Spirit because I was saved. Mm. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I just didn't want to follow Jesus, but it took an unsaved girl breaking up with me for me to actually sit back and say, okay, do I actually want a relationship with God? Because mm. nothing else in this world seems to be working. So then I started, I took your advice and I kind of sat back. I was like, okay, what do Christians do? They read their Bible where do I even start? I remember you saying a million times over, just read a proverb a day. So I just started, I just opened up my Bible, just read a proverb a day, and God just started to melt away my heart. Mm. And that's when I ran to you. Mm. <laughs> I was like, Abe, tell me how to live my life. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, so you both got right with the Lord, various ways in which the Lord brought you around, you mm -hmm. for salvation, you for uh, repentance, getting mm -hmm. right with the Lord, though mm -hmm. you were saved as a little boy. Uh, how did Abe enter the picture? Well, let me ask, let's go with Abe because Abe, um, you didn't really have these guys at, at the time they were really off the chain. I don't think, did you? I mean, you were as, as a youth pastor. Well, yeah, I mean, you would have been more around then, right, John? When you were the youth pastor? Yeah. Uh, I think Daniel might've been. I was there. Yeah, I mean, I was. I remember you as our youth pastor, but then Brad had come in yeah, really for right. the worst of my days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was more. Yeah, more Daniel. I was. In fact, I was talking to the kid, my kids, the other day, and they were asking about our relationship, or you mm -hmm. and I, and stuff. And and I said, oh, I still remember pulling Daniel in after a small group. We had a small group thing, and I said, I still remember pulling Daniel into my office afterwards and saying like. It was just you and I, and we were talking, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, you have a ton of influence, and but it's it's like terrible influence. I said, if God ever gets a hold of your life, you're going to do great things for God. I still remember that. It was downstairs mm -hmm. in the basement, and uh, and they were like, really? You guys had that conversation? I said, yeah, and they're like, look at him now, you know? It's just, you just preached, obviously, and they heard you and <laughs> right. stuff, so um, yeah, but you, you guys were... You were punks. I mean, they were punks. Yeah, because so <laughs> to put so, it bluntly, but you had them in the early. John mainly. John yeah, probably was, more so. Yeah. If we have a ranking system, John was the worst, <laughs> technically speaking. Yeah, I can still remember Dan. You coming and say, "Dad, I'm really bad, but you should see what John is." Doing. <laughs> I mean, uh, so, all right, but we've already agreed we're not going to glorify our sins here. That's okay. Right. Yes. Uh, right. Now, Abe, you called him out early on, and then you actually stepped in from that role into administrative role. And uh, so when Brad came in, 
he wasn't in for very long, and his baptism into the youth ministry here was part of it was having John and Daniel and, he, and these they two were, guys. They were wrecking the ministry yeah. with their yeah. life because mm-hmm. what you said was true. They were leaders, and they were leading people astray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Said so I can, I'll, and I don't want to get bogged down in this, but I'll never forget the time I went into Brad, and he hadn't been here very long. I said, Brad, I'm taking him out of the youth ministry for your sake and for the sake of the kids here. Anyway, I mean, you know, he was, he felt bad. He kind of, yeah, but I could see after I walked out of his office, he was Thank all you, but, Jesus. Yeah, he was, oh. he was all but high fiving everybody on the youth team, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it, what was it that inspired you to? invest in these guys once they turn back to the Lord. Yeah. I mean, I think growing up with, you know, seeing them grow up, having them in the youth ministry. I mean, I had, I think I had Daniel in my small group for a year or two Mm -hmm. at some point. Um, You know, and John would come and play basketball with us. Wouldn't say anything, super quiet, super, you know, like, I don't, you guys are all old and we don't, you know, whatever. We, I don't want anything to do with you. You know, it's, you, if you could get a word out of John, it was like, eh, yay, you know, like he talked to us, you know. And um, so like, I remember, I remember we kind of dropped off. You were going, you were going south and we had, we had been communicating and then we weren't communicating. Mm-hmm. Um they're like, yeah, Daniel's gone. I mean, mm-hmm. it was that was kind of my mentality. Like, he doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to communicate mm-hmm. or whatever. And then... I think it was... I have, like, an addictive personality. So I was so addicted to Jesus. And I was such a witness at Sadell, at Woodside Middle School. And then... When Sadell you were High younger, school. you're talking Yeah, about when I was radically seven, following yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And... But then the second I started dating an unsaved girl, it was almost like... It was like a, it was like a switch. I just loved Jesus, and I was my nickname was Bible Boy Dan in middle school. Then started dating this girl, yeah, and I was that. like, now I just want to like start stealing stuff from the local grocery store that I worked at, and it was almost like a shock so, to everyone, myself included. I was like, I don't, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't love Jesus, I guess. I so know. when you guys are that way, as you know, I mean, people would ask how they could pray, and I'd say pray that they'd be converted, whatever mm-hmm. converted means. Yeah. And as it turned out, it was a pretty good prayer request because you needed to be converted to salvation. You needed to just be converted back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But there are people, they'll be watching this uh, right now, parents. They have uh, teenagers. I mean, you preached on Sunday, and another parent with, with rebellious teenagers came up to me and said, just seeing them up there gave me hope, mm. apart from your message. Same. I had a lady stop me in my driveway the other day. So what would you say to those parents? Because, I mean, you know, our relationship now was not like it was back in those days when you said they're punks. I mean, they were, you, know, you got to just see the punks a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. I lived with those punks. And uh, so, uh, I mean, there were, you know, what would you say to the parents who were who would say they're, they're glazed over, they're not listening to me when we try to talk to them about the Lord? Um, we're doing our best. We feel like we're utterly failing. What would you say? I'll start with you, John. What would you say to those parents? Um, I, uh, actually just had a conversation with, uh, um, an older guy who's, uh, kind of dealing with this issue with his grandson. And I mean, the advice I essentially gave him is first, uh, truth never returns void. No, oh, yeah. Right? So, I mean, you have to, you, if, you, if you are Christian, you got to believe the Bible, and the Bible says that. So, I mean, whether you think it's happening or not, 
that's just something you just have to you just have to put your faith in God and says no he mm-hmm. tells me that this is not going to return void so I'm going to share this truth whether I think they're listening or not mm-hmm. um, uh, so yeah I mean what I know I said I think from some um, Sunday night thing we did years back that you know I, I I said that even when I didn't sound like I was listening I I was listening yep. um, and I think that's generally true. I mean, I'm sure there were times where I really was not listening. <laughs> in the, for the most part, I think God's providence allows uh, your ears to be opened when they need to be opened. So you, uh, you as a human, can't tell when that's going to happen. So your responsibility is just to share truth and to let God open mm-hmm. the ears when he opens the ears. Yeah. In another sense, I would just say from a practical aspect, like they are teenagers, right? I mean, you have to keep that in mind, like, teenagers are irrational, right? And like, I just remember yep. thinking, looking back on that now, and you're like, I was just irrational. Like mm-hmm. I was an irrational brain, not fully developed young man that was just trying to figure mm-hmm. out everything. And it's just, I feel like that is so, and of course now I can get a better picture because I do have young ones in my life. And so my wife, Kaylee and I constantly have to remind ourselves like, okay, this is just a season. Like they are crazy. We're, they're always, you know, we're always having to spank them and then Mm -hmm. change their diapers or whatever, but it will go away eventually. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a general Mm -hmm. truth for, for younger, for teenagers, that it is a stage in life that, you know, some of them go through, I guess. So recognize where they are in life. Uh, believe the truth of Isaiah mm-hmm. 55, that the word of God does not return void. That's a powerful truth mm-hmm. for parents to remember. How would you add to that, Daniel? I mm-hmm. mean, there's parents out there that say, my kids say they hate me, or they'll yeah. make terrible... Do, do you think they really mean it when they say that? Because you said some pretty nasty things to me from time oh, to yeah. time. And to mom. Yeah. Um, the first scripture that comes to mind for me is, I think it's First Thessalonians 4.19, where Paul says, "Don't suppress the Holy Spirit." Like that's what I was doing. I, I was, I was, I was saved when I was eleven, and the whole time I was just shoving down, suppressing the Holy Spirit. So I, I just did not want to follow Jesus, though I'd always feel the conviction. Like every time I would smoke, every time I would party, like there was just this nagging voice in the back of my head saying, "Like don't do it," but I just kept trying to shove it down and shove it down and shove it down. So. So even if even if your kids don't, even if you just kind of see that they don't seem like they're convicted or they don't care, if they're Christians, they care. Like the Holy Spirit's making them care, you, no they, matter what. You, they, the parent has an ally in the heart of that kid. Totally, hundred percent. And I'd say some two things you and Mom did great was you never catered your life or like kind of tweaked your life based off of what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do wrestling practice Wednesday nights and Sunday nights were the only nights that they had it. And I didn't even ask because I knew you were going to say no. It was just like, no, like I want you to be around the church and around people so that maybe one day, like the word's going to just hit you on the side of the head and you just actually repent. It just took years and years and years for me to actually want to do that. And I think this is a big thing that you did as did well too. <clears throat> I think it's Judges two ten, where it says talking about the Israelites says like, and then arose after them another generation who did not know God or the great works that He had done. Mm-hmm. It's like you guys were constantly talking about the great things that were happening at Sailorville and in your own lives, and it it drew me in. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about the second I wanted to come and follow Jesus, I knocked on your door right away. It was like. You got it figured out. 
Like you're constantly talking about God. You're constantly happy. You're constantly like focused on the gospel. I don't know how to do that, but I've seen you repeatedly live that out because you're always talking about God. So you've hit on two things. You hit that Judges 2.10, which is huge because uh, a generation of wickedness is just one click away from a generation of righteousness. Mm -hmm. We see that repeatedly in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So Abe, when, what, when, uh, what was your what kind of strategy did you have with these guys? Daniel alluded to it on Sunday that you guys would meet together at Starbucks. What was your goal? What were you thinking? What uh, as a youth minister and really a po- you weren't even that you were an administrative guy by that time, just wanting to reach these young guys mm-hmm. who are trying to get their act together. Yeah, can I can I jump in there real quickly though? Like I I kind of had a front row seat. Like I was working with you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I was also working with these guys. So I kind of saw, I was seeing both sides. So like, like I didn't know how bad it was like at home or whatever. So like, I guess my question back to you is how, how did you, I mean, this can be quickly, but how did you, what was your thinking? I'm I'm the lead guy of this church. It's growing. Yeah. And I've got these two guys. Like, what was your mentality? Like, Mm -hmm. do I hide this? Do I bring this out? Do I keep loving them? I mean, what was going through your heart? Because that's that's yeah. a I think that's a big question that comes out of this too. Like, wow, that but like I didn't even know that in the midst of it, like how hard it was on you as you led that. Well, until you did know. I mean, there was a right. time where I kind right. of just I just gushed. I, I probably did hide it for a while <laughs> until I couldn't hide it anymore. Uh began to uh ask for prayer uh in our you know, our pastoral meetings and right. stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. but it was hard because there was a it, there was a sense in which I was dying at you know death by a thousand pinpricks every day because of these two guys. But the church was growing. The church was growing. We're planting. We're <laughs> planting churches, and and people would say, "Man, that's the you know we we often say, well, that's the mark of a successful man of God.' You know, he's got a church that's growing, and and I'm thinking, yeah, well, this man of God might be out of the ministry if his kids continue on the path that they are. And that mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Uh, John getting arrested at age 16 was, uh, that was a big, big moment because, uh, Daniel somehow avoided arrest though. He ever, he got caught every time he did something stupid. <laughs> John didn't until he did get caught mm-hmm. and then got thrown in jail. And, uh, while he was a minor, uh, so it didn't become scandalous in the sense of the public thing. There were people that knew about it and, uh, I couldn't, I wasn't about to publicly talk about it, which I didn't because I didn't, I don't want to embarrass these two boys, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I was, it was very difficult on me. I, I was under a tremendous amount of stress, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big thing, a big moment for me was, uh, and I think you're aware of this was, uh, I spoke to all of the deacons yep. and elders and, uh, just, you know, I broke down and wept and told them about John and what was going on and that, um, I just submitted to whatever they decided. I mean, it was a really, it was a moment where they could have, if I did, I was cashing in all my chips right yep. there. You know, mm-hmm. they could have said, yep. hey, pastor, it's been a great run for the last, uh, so it's been, what, 10 years. I, I, I've been there 12, 13 years. That's a lot. That's a lengthy ministry in anybody's yeah. mind. So, hey, you know, maybe it's time for you to step down. I would, I, I had to come to that place where I had to, would have accepted that if they mm-hmm. would have said it. But instead, it was Joe Funkhauser, one of our deacons, who's, he was weeping his eyes out in the back. And when Joe Funkhauser, you guys, mm-hmm. you guys got a earful of him a few times, mm-hmm. right? And, and he loved you guys like you were like second son. Joe speaks, you listen. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, but sir. he didn't cry. He didn't hardly have any emotion. Remember, he wasn't, he was mm-hmm. the non-emotional guy. 
just spoke the truth, but he was, mm. you man, he was just weeping. Mm. And he said, you are our pastor. We love your sons. We're going to get behind you. They're, they're, they're adolescents still, and we know mm. you'll get through this. And it was really helpful to me, mm. helped mm. me get through it. And then, of course, all the engaged guys, yourself included, praying, weeping, praying for years that yep. these guys would be con converted. So that so the prayer factor is big in there, too. And just mm -hmm. um, I don't think I deserved that. That was a big moment of mercy on the leadership part to allow me to mm. remain. Uh, mm -hmm. But thankfully, I got through it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's go back to that question yeah. with you. So now. Yeah, I think I think I mean, honestly, I was just kind of living life at that point. I mean, I I kind of had Daniel had kind of was off the reservation and I mean, I would pray for you guys like we, we had been, but it was, you don't want anything to do with anything spiritual, you know? So that was kind mm -hmm. of the, but then out of the blue, you texted me and it was kind of like, Hey, God's working on me and working on my heart. Mm -hmm. Like, can we get together? And, mm -hmm. um, I don't remember all of the details, but I do remember like, I mean, I was pumped. I'm like, mm -hmm. Daniel wants, I remember telling Jesse, like, Daniel mm -hmm. wants to meet with me. Like, oh my goodness, like he's back or like, I don't know what's going on, you know? And, um, but then like we met at Starbucks and you were like adding people, can so-and-so come and can so-and-so come? And I'm telling Jesse, I'm like, oh my goodness. Every time I talk to Daniel, there's like more people coming to this meeting, you know? It was crazy. I mean, it was like, uh, it's like Brett. Yeah. Funkhauser, Kayla, yeah, all those guys. And yeah, and, and we, I remember meeting at Starbucks and mm -hmm. I, they were all sitting around the table and I said, what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we meeting, Daniel? <laughs> I thought you knew it. <laughs> like, what's going on? And, and I kind of, yeah. you went around and you shared your heart of what God was yeah. doing and everybody kind of walked around the, the mm -hmm. table and, um, and, and kind of said, yeah, I, I, it was kind of like, I, I need, I need the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what I'm doing is not working. Mm -hmm. It was essentially that. And I, I still remember that conversation and, and I kind of walked around the whole room and just said like, I've got five kids. I'm busy. I've got stuff yep. going on. I like, remember that. If we're going to get together and talk about sports and girls and stuff, like I'm out, like yeah. I don't have time for this, yeah. you know, but if you guys are serious about wanting to walk with Jesus and like, you're all in, then I'm all in. Like, mm -hmm. I'll give you the time. And every one of you, you all yeah. went around the table and it was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, mm -hmm. I'm in. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And well, this went to, on for how long? Well, I, I'd say before that, I always knew that I had, like, your ear. Because you always spoke to me with grace and truth, like, leading up to that moment. You were always honest with me. I knew I could trust you. It's like the second God got a hold of my heart, I was like, I know I can talk to Abe. Abe's mm -hmm. not going to sugarcoat things. Abe is going to be super honest. So if I'm meeting with Abe, it's going to be, he's going to be the most valuable person for me to meet with. But he's also somebody you can go to. Yeah. It's not that totally. you had to fear to go mm -hmm. to Abe. Yeah, I never felt like Abe was trying to please me when I wasn't yeah. following Jesus. Yeah. He was always like, well, you're not following Christ in these ways. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you the truth. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so in the second I wanted to follow Jesus, I was like, oh, that's the man. But what was your question? Well, no, I want to just point out that, again, to for the sake of the audience, we know that uh, it's, you know, idealistically, we'd like to think as parents, you know, what more do my kids need than me? I mean, seriously, <laughs> you guys, only, you only need me, Amen. don't you? Uh, well, that's a lie. We need more people. We yeah. do need godly dads. Mm. Godly dads are yeah. huge. I mean, you guys super looked up to me even when you were not in a good place. Mm -hmm. But you really need outsiders speaking into your kids' lives. Abe was not an outsider, but he wasn't family either. Right. And, uh, and he was 
critical. You had a, uh, there was a, there was a teacher at the Christian school that uh, you would go to, John, from time to time. Again, a guy you could trust and go to. And I would say to those listening on the podcast, we need those kind of people in our lives mm-hmm. outside of our family that, that our kids can trust. And I think you as parents, if you're listening as parents, quit worrying about what that other person is going to say. If they're trustworthy, if they're godly, if they're a minister, if they, they walk with Jesus, trust the Lord that they're gonna, mm-hmm. your kids are going to get mm-hmm. good counsel from them and let them hang out with them from time to time. Mm-hmm. I still remember uh, when we were in high school, uh, I still was not saved and you were still doing crazy things. Uh, and we were with Brett Funkhauser. And, uh, and so, you know, we would always get in trouble together and whatnot. And I remember one time you're, we're, we were leaving and you're like, well, where are you guys going? You're all worried about, you know, you're going to go to so-and-so's house and we're going to, we just said, we're going over to Brad's house to watch Rocky. Remember we used to go watch (laughs) Rocky at Brad's house Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You can do that. (laughs) You can go. You can go. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, essentially, Abe said the exact same thing you said. I just heard it differently because yeah. Abe wasn't my dad. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. Like, I'm sensitive to Abe, and my pride is still so much that I'm not sensitive to what you're saying. But for some reason, it just hit me differently when Abe said it. And again... Probably more intelligently said as well. Yeah, yeah of course. Obviously. Of course. <laughs> of course. It, just, it, just, it just proves that we need other voices in our lives, mm-hmm. even if they're saying the same thing and maybe a little differently. <clears throat> and so uh, what else do you... When you think about these dynamics of discipleship, what else comes to your mind with you guys? I mean, uh, you're now in a place where you're both in ministry. Uh, you're seeing the value mm-hmm. of speaking in other people's lives. Uh, we're kind of seeing this come down here a little bit. I mean, Abe... Your son has hung out with John, has he not? Yeah. Yeah. So my oldest son, Isaac, who will be 19 here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. John and him have met periodically here and there. And so, yeah, it's like the next, it's like the next level. So mm-hmm. it's going to exactly what you're saying. Like Isaac and I have a good relationship, but I love it when he meets with John. I mean, that's absolutely as much as you want to, John, pour into him, challenge him, ask him tough questions, you know? So it's a, it's fun to see. I mean, really, really, it would be mm-hmm. you have you have mentored me and discipled me over 20 years. And then I poured into John and now John's pouring into my son. So, I mean, it is cool to see like that whole progression right. of awesome. discipleship. So mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, what questions you guys or what thoughts come to the, when it comes to the dynamics of discipleship between fathers mm-hmm. and sons and individuals in the church and. What else comes to your mind? What What would you guys like to bring up here? I've got a couple other things here, but I don't want to do all the talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they didn't <laughs> come very well. No, 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 I, I got <laughs> something. I was defaulting to Johnny right. Boy. I don't know. You go. You um, go. How did you... <laughs> what was going through your head? Because I kind of mentioned it on Sunday, too. I mean, that was a rough group of guys. I mean, you're essentially taking baby Christians who are coming fresh off a drug addiction and meeting with them once a week, and we were squirrel brain. We didn't know what was happening. We were still screwing up in so many ways. Mm-hmm. How did you take that group of four or five guys and just consistently push them to honor and follow Jesus with their life? Like, what was your main thing going through your head? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I always love you guys. I mean, just love, love you in the moment. Don't be mm-hmm. like, well, why aren't you... Yeah. Why haven't you gotten there yet? Like, mm-hmm. and, and to, 
I think not to like freak out on you or like um, condemn you. Like the fact that you guys were talking, the fact that you would show up, the fact that you would come every week and want to have spiritual conversations. I'm like, this is a win. Mm -hmm. Like this is, yeah. I mean, at the beginning we weren't going super deep, you know, but like it, it turned into that. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. and then there was a point, I remember at a point, like um, I'm like, this is good for me. I think I remember telling somebody around the fire, we were at my house around the fire and I'm like, this is good for me. Like I'm feeling like I can share my heart to Mm -hmm. you guys and you're not going to be shocked by anything because at that point, like everything was out on the table and it was like, we -hmm. had talked about everything. So, Mm -hmm. um, so you guys were even, you guys were challenging me and encouraging me in the moment, Mm -hmm. even while we were like, you guys were looking to me to be like the leader. There was a point in there where it started to like, no, we're friends now. Mm-hmm. And as you disciple somebody, I feel like that's key because that almost gives you buy-in as the disciplee, um, mm-hmm. not the discipler. So you were the discipler, we were the disciplee. But when you were able to come to us, and I remember you was having this conversation, when, when we'd be at Starbucks, you would sit down and you just go, this is so good for me to be here with you guys. Yeah. It's like an oasis, I think you said one mm-hmm. time. And when I'm hearing that as a disciplee, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm actually helping you? Like, I thought this was all just for me, and now it's like, wow, I'm actually helping you. And now it allows me to have some buy-in mm-hmm. almost. So there's there's a good, and I think that needs to be fleshed out even while you're discipling people to let them know that, that, Hey, this Mm. is not just for me to teach you how to read your Bible or whatever it is. Like you are challenging me in this process as well. Mm. And that's, that's a picture of unity in the body of Christ and how it all works together. And I thought you, you, you Mm -hmm. set a great example in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just spiritual growth. I mean, the fact that you guys are growing allowed you to reciprocate some of that back Mm. into Abe's life. As in the same is true with Abe and I now. I mean, there's, I mean, he's a mm-hmm. we're fellow elders, and and uh, so that is to be expected. Yeah. But I, that was the first time I ever confessed sin, like in any context. Like I, I don't know why that was the first time. I just think church culture is you cover your sin and pretend you're all good. Like, how did you get us to actually talk and say, "Hey, dude, I went to a party this weekend. My bad. <laughs> this is what I did." Like, I, nobody does that to pastors, like, naturally. So how did you get us idiots to actually mm. confess sin to you? I, it's going to be really elemental, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I asked questions and I listened. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, it was, I didn't feel like I had to come in and, like, give you Bible verses and, like, listen, you guys should be doing this, this, and this. It was more so, like, I just wanted you guys to talk. I wanted to hear where your mm-hmm. heart was at. I mean, I, I, I remember asking, like, How's your heart, John? I mean, I asked you that today when we met. Like, nope. how's your heart? Like, how are you doing? <laughs> I, I mean, we did, I did that today with him, you know, yeah. like, and I think even just that is like, mm-hmm. you, you're saying, I'm saying to John, I want to hear from you. I am I want to take the time to hear your heart about where you're at. Now, it's up to John if he wants to share that or not. Yeah. Right. But at least I'm, I'm offering to say, mm-hmm. I do want to hear, I do care about you. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, no, 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 listen to me because I have stuff to tell mm-hmm. you. Right. I was, I kind of took it from mm-hmm. the other perspective of like, I want to hear, I want to hear what's mm-hmm. going on. So, yeah. so you'd tee up the platform, and like, if the Holy Spirit was kind of wrestling within us, then we'd be like, uh, blah, <laughs> like yeah. word vomit. So that's all you did. 
Yeah, it worked. It worked. <laughs> we didn't even. That's know. it. That's the that's the formula. That's the secret sauce. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say you did keep us in the word. I do remember that. Like yeah, you, yeah. we did walk through scripture. I think that's key, right? You have to keep them in the word. And I, but at the same time, you still implemented that process. So I remember us. You know, where do you guys want to study? Well, let's study about predestination (laughs) went right to Romans nine. And and I remember as we read Romans nine, we're all kind of like, all right, Abe, what do you think? And you just turned it right back. What do you guys think? And we just spouted off all sorts of heresy. I'm sure. Confident. (laughs) And spiritual gifts. I remember was another one where you're like, what do you guys think it means? And we're all, "Ah, I think it means this. I think it means this. And then you kind of came in there with the wise answer. (laughs) (laughs) But you always made us wrestle with it. Yeah, exactly. I love that. That's really good. So we're we're talking about dynamics of discipleship. So it's not just sitting down and having a Bible study, filling in the blank going through this that's not discipleship that's just a that's just a bible class and Mm -hmm. a lot of people think they think that's discipleship john you've said it a couple times it's got to be word-based we have to be in the word we that's very true but there has to be open conversation you have to ask questions i'm reminded of uh several years ago one of our small groups that we have uh a brand new Christian walked in. This is literally how it happened. He walked in while another Christian who'd, who'd been a Christian for years, he was a kind of a political conservative and everything was politics to him, even though he does love the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he comes in, he goes, look at all what all these baby killers are doing you know, in, this, in this pro-choice movement. And he made some comment. And the new Christian was a real soft-spoken guy. He goes, what do all of you have against a woman's right to choose anyway? And I'll never forget, He, the other guy kind of looks like, oh my goodness. And it was a great moment. So I said, that's a great question, uh, question Rich. Yeah, I said, uh, Gary, what do you have against a woman's right to choose? Mm-hmm. And and then suddenly the rest of the group that knew the Lord kind of caught on. Right? Hey, this is a good thing. Let's go to the Word. We st- we, mm-hmm. Somebody, I didn't even, I wasn't even the one. Somebody suggested Psalm 139. We read through that passage, you know, we're, formed in our mm-hmm. mother's wombs and all this and at the end rich goes man i I've, I've never seen that before to this day this is probably seven or eight years ago he is a strong he's so strong with pro-life he loves mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. sanctity of human life mm-hmm. but at the time he was just asking a question right. and totally. the question needed to get answered he got yeah, answered yeah. through the discipleship yeah. uh, medium you know yeah. So that's that was really that, a stroke of wisdom to work mm-hmm. through stuff like that for you oh, guys. Yeah. And that's a really good point. So, I mean, Abe's huge on the whole idea of, you know, uh, there's no learning without asking questions. And in a, in a classic, ignorant uh, high school way, I almost like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Abe. And now as mm-hmm. I'm getting older, it kind of makes a lot more sense when you're when you're asking the questions, you actually can flesh out what it means, what a concept actually means. I was just listening to this guy who was talking about, he's in this meeting with all of these big wigs, big wig guys from Texas and their oil companies and whatnot. And, and this guy, this big CEO, he explains all of this whole process to something. And the guy's like, Hey, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. Could you explain that again? And he goes, oh, fine, I'll explain it again. And he explains it again. He goes, no, 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 seriously, like, even that time? And I'm sorry, I'm not very smart. I'm not as smart as you guys. Could you explain that again? Because I don't get it. And then he kept on doing it like three or four times. And then all the other guys in the rooms are all like, 
Yeah, I don't get it either. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> None of them wanted to admit it, except yeah. for the idiot, you know, the yeah. idiot in the room. But we're all idiots in the room, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. essentially. And okay, you so you're, on to, you're yeah. on to something else on this, John. So you, Peter would agree with you. He was always, man, he, the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth. Mm-hmm. He's always sticking <laughs> his foot in his mouth. How about that time, you know, when Jesus takes him and James and John up in the mountain, transfigures himself, mm-hmm. and Peter's first question is, Hey, like, should I make some booths for you guys to live in while you're up here on this mountain? I mean, what if Jesus said, you idiot? <laughs> no, I mean, so we got to make room for the dumb questions, I yeah. guess, don't we? Yeah. And not call them dumb. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I got, it's interesting to see you guys, like, now, I mean, to watch you guys, like, all in ministry and stuff. I mean, how it just seems like the dynamic has changed. Mm. I mean, you guys, it's like father, son, but like, you're also like, um, I mean, you guys are texting and talking and stuff like that and talking about ministry. I mean, like, how is, Mm -hmm. I guess, how is that, how has that changed your relationships? And like, Mm -hmm. what is it, what is it like now, now that you've gotten past all like the crazy and and you guys have families and wives and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. I mean, what's it like now? Um, just doing that. Why does everyone look at me? John. John. Because we want you to ask the stupid question. We want want the last to go first. They know. They know. They want more time to think so they can have an answer. I I do. I do remember. I remember when I first got saved. um, This is probably around the same time we were meeting with you. I remember... It was some weekend in, on like a Saturday, and we were all in the it was the three of us. We were getting ready to do something. Maybe we weren't even doing something together. But for some reason, we started asking you questions about like Genesis 6 and the Nephilim. And so you were just like <laughs> telling us about it. And I'm sitting there as like this total baby Christian, only having been mm-hmm. saved for a couple of months. And I'm just like in awe, you know, I'm like, what in the world? These truths of scripture, you know, are just so awesome and the reality of everything. And so I think that's probably a microcosm of our relationship and how it changed with, with my dad here. And I think that just the appreciation of, Mm. you know, what he actually was to us as not just a dad, but a godly father, a godly man who could actually Mm -hmm. teach us crazy cool things mm-hmm. about scripture and whatnot. I think that, and that's just been amplified the more that God's called us both in ministry. And I don't know, that's just where my mind went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to circle back and just as to, uh, to just go back and forth with you just today, not just the other day, just the other hour, you were mm-hmm. telling me about one of the elements. I don't want to give away your message, but it's, you're going to be preaching on hell, which I've preached on hell a couple of really monumental messages on hell in the history of our time here at church but it's been several years so you're going to be preaching on it and you mentioned something about hell uh in the creation of it i won't even say what it is because it'll be in a couple weeks but you said it a couple hours and i thought huh i never thought of that (laughs) (laughs) and that was really good so Mm -hmm. i I, it's i mean it's been reciprocal yeah i mean to add on top of that i think there was a moment probably three, four years ago range where I was actually kind of, I had some daddy issues I had to work through and I, that I didn't even know I had. Like I was jealous of John. Mm. Like I, I think if God would have had different plans for me, I would have been in the Engage Network as, as a lifer. Like mm. I love the Engage Network. What you guys are doing is amazing. 
I was like, John's getting his opportunities and he's around dad and dad talks about John all the time. <laughs> I doubt he's talking about me and you know, I'm, I'm probably a better preacher than John. And, like, I'm just, work, <laughs> just working through my own insecurities. And I just, I think in my head, in my sin, I was like, well, this is a dad issue. And then I sat back and I was like, no, it's like your sin is your sin, Daniel. Like you need to work through that on your own and mm. repent of that on your own. And that's when I started to turn from jealousy of you and, you know, maybe jealousy or bitterness of the Engage Network. And I was like, actually, I just love seeing what you guys are doing. And it's totally different. And John's gifts are completely different than mine. Like John is like five times smarter than me. (laughs) And I just know that he is. And I just get to sit back and be like, okay, John has a different type of gifting than me. And I'm just going to celebrate that. I'm going to be his biggest cheerleader in the world. I'm going to continuously pray for you, wherever you pastor, if you plant a church one day, like I'm going to continuously pray that God keeps growing civil and the engagement network keeps planting churches. Like I think it just changed from kind of being like, okay, do we like each other at times? Or just, man, I'm going to celebrate whatever God does in your mm-hmm. life. That's what happened to me at least. That's a great word, Daniel. In fact, we would come back to you and say that your pastoral skills and the way you encourage people, like you encourage mm-hmm. your brother John, I've never seen anything like it. Nope. I, I've never been that great of an encourager. I, I want to be that encourager. I'm inspired by the way you encourage people, just like you did just now. So that's the benefit I'm getting from you, even mm-hmm. as we speak. Yep. So anyway, mm. yep. good question, Abe. <laughs> and that's his way of getting out of the answer. He yeah. just says, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Typical A. Whatever those guys said, I agree. Uh, well, hope we, we haven't, hopefully we haven't bored our listening uh, uh, audience here. We hope this has been a benefit of, on the dynamics of discipleship. And if you've gotten a bone or two to chew on, we hope that was a good one for you. And uh, God bless you. Thanks for joining us today.